0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me today over to, to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. I want to pick up where we left off last Sunday, 2 Corinthians chapter five. And we're talking about the fact that we've been made a new creation by virtue of our salvation, our union with Christ. So in 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse number 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Glory to God. We talked about the fact that it is the spirit of man, the inward man that is born again. It's obviously not the the outward man. It's not the body that's born again. And it's not technically even the soul of man that's born again. The Bible talks about the saving of the soul and the losing of the soul. But you are a spirit You possess a soul, and you as a spirit being, you live inside a physical body. And it's the spirit of man, the inward man that's created in the image and likeness of God. That's the man that actually becomes a new person in Christ. In like this scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We looked at some other translations last week and, and uh, they all brought out the idea that this is like, well, I think it's the Williams translation or maybe the Barclay, I don't remember which one. It says, if any man is in union with Christ, he is the work of a new creation. When you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, a creative act took place as definite and as specific as any other act of creation that's ever occurred. Just as surely and and as distinctly as God created the heavens and the earth or created the different uh, life forms on the earth, the vegetation and the animals and the birds, just as precisely and just as, as definitely and specifically as God by an act of creation created these things, when you accepted Christ as your savior, he created a new man. Where the old man was, he created a new man in his place, a new person. One translation says he is a new person altogether. I pointed out last week that the new birth is not a renovation. It's not really a rebirth because the new creation, that, that act of creation when God created you as a brand new person, he didn't take the old and take those components and and reshape them and reconstitute them. No, the Bible says that our old man was crucified with Christ. And we have the Christian rite of water baptism as a type of our death, burial, and resurrection with the Lord Jesus Christ. That old man died the death of the cross and he's never coming back. (laughs) The man you used to be died the death of the cross. That old man was crucified with Christ. And then when God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised you up, but as a brand new person. Glory to God. And I pointed out the fact that there isn't any association between the old person and the new person. Now, in our minds, because we remember our past, we, re- we remember the things we've done, the good and the bad. And because we still live in these physical bodies and, and we still uh, uh, live in this same physical world and we see the same things we used to see, we see the places we used to go and, we, and, and we're still uh, in this natural realm, it's very easy for us to, to relate to the old life and think, well, I remember how I used to be. No, you used, you do not, you did not. Let me say this right. You are not how you used to be. It really isn't you who used to be because a new person has been created in that old man's place, and the two are not connected. Like I said last week, they're not related. They're not even cousins, there's no uh, relationship except they live in the same house. Your, your new man lives in this same house that the old man lived in. You know, my wife and I live in a rental right now and somebody else used to live in that house. I don't have any relationship with the people that used to live in the old house. They, they don't mean anything to me. I don't have any, any feeling for them. I don't have any history with them. Are you following me? Well, the old man died and God created a new man in his place. Glory to God. Don't be living with the ghosts of the past. Some people are afraid somebody died in their old house, you know, and and now it's haunted. I refuse to be haunted by the old man. I'm not gonna be haunted by him. He is gone. I'd no more be haunted by the old man than I would be somebody used to live in my house, my physical house. Amen. Anybody does that, that is affected by somebody that used to live in your house, you need to get over that. That's not of God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. The new birth is an actual new creation, and we are one with Christ in union with him. We talked about this fact. He said, old things have passed away. That's that's another word for died. That's what we say when somebody dies. We want to, you know, we like the we have these euphemisms. You know, we like to clean things up. Well, so and so passed. They passed away. The, what you really mean is they they died. Well, that seems to be a sort of harsh. You know, we like to you to soften it up. Well, the old things died. They passed away. And so we don't need to be carrying the baggage of those things that passed away. Those things that passed away, those bags of the past that people carry, if they'd open them up and actually look at them, they're empty yeah. because those things passed away. Okay. All of your failures of the, of the previous life, all of the things you did wrong, all of the mistakes you made, all passed away. Yeah. All of the hurts Too many people carry around hurts and pains. You you, you know, people did you wrong and maybe you were mistreated. And and I'm not trying to minimize uh, what happened to people. Some people have in the past suffered some very traumatic things and, and they were very, very painful. And you can acknowledge that without letting it control you. And and where it come when it comes to the life of faith, you will never be able to live the life of faith that the New Testament lays out for you and makes available for you, if you are still uh, responding to hurt and injustices and wrongs and things from the, it will hinder you. If you hold on to those things, if you hold on to, some people have made terrible mistakes in the past. I'm talking about the old man, the old man did some things that weren't right. If you let those things linger in your heart and in your mind, it will keep you from exercising your faith because the devil will remind you of those things. Well, you remember you had a failed marriage. You know, you, you, you had a divorce and since you had a, you've already divorced once, you know, you, you've, already done, you've already failed God, you've already missed God's best, you know, you might just get another divorce because, you know, you've already done it and, and God's already displeased with you. You've already broken that covenant and so you, you, you might not fight like you should for this marriage because, well, you know, you've already done that. Listen, all of that is a lie from the enemy. Old things have passed away they're gone amen past bad decisions misdirection in life that got you off of God's plan for your life sent you down a wrong road and you realize it was my own fault. People seem to have this idea that if they revel in admitting they were wrong that that's somehow an act of humility. It can be an act of terrible ignorance to continue to cling to the things you've done in the past. Jesus died for all of those sins and all of those mistakes and all of those failures and he took them all to the cross took them to the cross, nailed them to the cross, glory to God. Somebody said, well, I understand that pastor about my BC life, you know, before Christ, but I've made mistakes since Christ. Well, this this passage here in, in chapter five, you know, follows chapter four. You aware of that? Verse 16 in chapter four says, therefore we do not lose heart. For even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed yeah. day by day. Amen. See, this new creation is not just an event in history. Yeah, this new creation, if any man is in union with Christ, he is the work of a new creation It's a a present tense reality that we are being made new and fresh every day. Our inward man is being renewed. As soon as you realize you've made a mistake as a Christian, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As soon as you do that, God forgets about it. Because that's how God handles sin. He doesn't have a, a lockbox someplace he puts them in, you know, to bring them up later. They are gone. They are obliterated. They're never coming back. That's how you get renewed every day by the Spirit of God. You, you exist in a perpetual new creation situation. Oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. All oh, things have passed away. And what does the next part say in chapter five, verse 17? Behold. We need to behold some things. We need to be, I said we need to behold some things. We need to look at some things. He said old things are passed away, but look. Look. Take a a fresh look. Take a continuous look. Behold. All things have become Everything about you in union with Christ is brand new. Now, like I said, you didn't get a new body when you got saved, but you will one day. Yeah. You didn't get a new body, but you will one day. You didn't get a new mind, but you're given the word of God and you're told to renew your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12 says, but be ye renewed by or transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's that beholding. Behold, all things have become new. Oh glory. What are are some some uh, some some new things? Well, before we get there, let's look at some translations. Old things have gone. everything is made new. He has become a brand new person. Behold, he says the the old condition has passed away. Behold the fresh and new has come. fresh and new well well what are what are what kinds of of fresh and new things have come about? Well, before we do that, before we look at those, let me. Let me set this up a little better. Go with me to uh, Ephesians. Go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians and look at the second chapter, verse number one. Ephesians chapter two, verse number one. I want you to notice, now you you do know, of course, that the New Testament was not written in chapter and verse. That came along, you know, centuries later. People took the scriptures and divided them up in chapters and verses. It's not the way they were written. Chapter two just followed chapter one uh, with no, no separation between it. And the sentence starts like this, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, you wouldn't start a sentence with the word and unless there was something before that you're referring to. Either you would be referring to something that has happened, that's already been discussed, or somebody that's already been discussed. Some event or something would have to precede the word and. You've never opened a novel and started out with the word and. Isn't that right? To best understand verse number one of chapter two, it, it, you have to kind of draw back a little bit, take a, a little bit uh, broader view of this whole passage. And let's go back to chapter one. Paul in, in verse number 15, chapter one, verse 15, he says, I therefore after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, he prayed for three things for the Ephesians. Now, you know, if he prayed these things for the church at Ephesus, it would apply to the church in High Springs or any, anywhere else because it's written to the church, to the New Testament. And... He said, I, I, I'm praying, I do not cease to give thanks for you and to make mention in your, of, of you in my prayers. And then he mentions three things. Number one, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, number one, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know, what is the hope of his calling? That's number two. Number one, he wants the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Number two, he wants you to know what is the hope of his calling. In other words, God has called you, but what, he's, what has he called you to? Hope, All in the New Testament, hope always speaks of future tense, something that is yet to come. What is the hope of his calling? God wants you to know what you can expect out of your calling. God's called you, but what's he called you to? What is the hope of it? He wants you to know. That's number two. And number three, that what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe is according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ. Now notice, He's he's saying that he wants us to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us. And he tells us that it's according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, if you can, in your thinking, Don't don't do this with a pen in your Bible, but in your thinking, at verse 21, the beginning of verse 21, just put an imaginary parentheses, beginning parentheses mark, because because verse 21, 22, and 23 are an amplification of what happened and the extent of Jesus' seating at the right hand of the Father. He said, I want you to have an understanding of the power that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at seated him, his right hand in the heavenly places. In verse 21, uh, 22, and 23, uh, uh, expand upon that. Tell us more about his seating and what's it's like, what it's like and, and what belonged to Christ and how everything was put under his feet and so forth. Now, if you go to the end of verse 23, after the word all, put an ending parentheses in your mind. Now, let's, now, now, verse 21, 22, and 23 tells us more about verse 20, uh, 20. But let's read verse 20 and connect it with chapter two, verse one. He wants us to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. And it's according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, verses two and three and four, he he expands a little bit about that. In verse number five, it says, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace that you have been saved. Now now here, God wants us to see the exceeding greatness of his power that he worked in Christ, the enormity, the magnitude of that power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. And he goes on to say, he raised you up together and made, it goes on to say in, uh, raised us up together, verse six, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. When the, the power that God worked in Christ, that that indescribable, almost unknowable, I, I mean, he prays that we'll know it, so I assume we can know it, but, but ha- who's laid hold of it yet? I haven't. That, that seemingly unknowable degree of power that he worked in Christ when he made him alive. He, had, he, he died the death of the cross. He died for our sins. And he suffered that death. And God, in a display of tremendous power, spoke down through eternity and called him up. He was made alive in spirit, Jesus was. And he was caught up and he was raised up and, and God raised him from the dead and then it went, went ahead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That same power was working when you were born again and you were made alive together with Christ. You were raised up with him. You were enthroned with him in the heavenly place by the same act of power. The power that worked in Christ worked in you. How many of you are UF grads? How many UF grads do we have in here? What 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 class are you in? Can you remember that back? <laughs> 71. Who else? Raise your hand. Who else is a UF grad? What class? 2013. Who else? Would somebody have their hand over here? Huh? 71, 73, what? 18? 20, 2013? 15? 1990? All of you are alumni, A UF alum, is that how you say it? Or alum, I don't know how you say that, but anyway, alumni or alum. You're, you can all go to the alumni center in Gainesville. Is there one? I think there is. You can go there, can't you? You have rights there that I don't have. Because you're, you're, you have rights that other people don't have. You, you're alum, you can go there. But you're in different classes. Dan is the elder statesman. (laughs) Linda's close. I I think sometimes that people have the idea that Jesus was raised from the dead. Because, you know, we sing about his resurrection, particularly in, in spring every year, you know, Easter. We talk about his resurrection. Wonderful, we should. We talk about how God, how he was raised up and how he was seated. But too often we have the idea, yeah, we were seated along with him, but we're not in the same class. I'm talking about class like alumni because you know he's in the original class and we're in subsequent classes. And yeah, 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 we're, we're in Christ, but we're not the same as him. The same power, the same uh, uh, act of God that quickened him, made him alive, made you alive at the same time, because it says you were made to alive together with Christ. It happened at the same time. You say, but preacher, I wasn't there. I, I was born in 19, where was it? 1902, damn, is that what it was? I wasn't even alive. How can that be? I was thinking about this last night or Friday night, and I was thinking I don't I don't understand it. And I thought, well, that's not really completely true. I really do understand it, but I still don't know how it happened. I understand it because the Bible tells me it's so. The Bible tells me that when Jesus was made alive, I was made alive not just like him, but with him. You who were dead in trespasses and sin, he made alive together with Christ. I understand that. I understand it because it tells me so. Now, can I explain it? No. Do I know how it happened? No. But I understand it and I'm understanding it better. And I I thought thought the other night I was meditating on this. I thought, yeah, I I don't know it happened and I never will know until I get to heaven. Well, I'm not completely sure that's true either. We're we're growing and understanding all the time. Who is to say that we'll never know? I do know this. There are some things we don't know Because Paul, talking to the church at Corinth, he said, we we look at certain things as in a mirror dimly. We see some things as in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Then we will know even as we are also known. So I know there's coming a time when I'm gonna fully know and fully be able to see how it happened. I don't quite see that, but I understand that it's true. How many of you have ever had uh, something that you just couldn't figure out? You Maybe it, 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 all of your life, maybe you couldn't figure, you just didn't understand something, and one day you saw it. And when you saw it, it was like, oh yeah, of course, of course, how could I not see that? <clears throat> I don't know that we have to get to heaven before we'll know all these things. I know it happened, but at the rapture, we're gonna go, oh yeah! That's how that happened. But the the thing we need to do now is we need to rest in the fact that it happened. That when Jesus was made alive, that that, uh, demonstration of power that made him alive, that raised him up and seated him at his right hand in a place of all authority at the same time I was made alive, you were made alive. Now I know it didn't happen in our, in our current uh, experience in time, but this is an eternal thing. I'm not quite sure how that works. Eternity works outside the realm of time. But when I and you, when we made a decision to make Jesus our Lord and we were were born again, that new creation, that new creation wasn't just created in union with Christ in class 2013 or 1971. It was in the original class. It was in the original class of the firstborn. Oh, glory to God. We were, we were joined together with Christ in his death, his burial, his, make, been making, his, his, his having been made alive, his, his uh, resurrection, his ascension, his seating. He wants us to understand that the power that worked in Christ is working in us. Oh, glory. It's working in us. If you see yourself as, a, as in a separate class, now we understand the way we normally use or we would like to use the word class here. We talk about Jesus is in a class of his own. Well, he is because he's God and we're not, okay? He created the world, we didn't. He went to the cross, we didn't. Okay, so yes, in that sense, he's a different class. But I'm talking about as far as association and like in alumni, we're in the same, we're in the same body. We're, he's the head, we're the body. And, and the body and the head were raised up at the same time. So all things have become new. Well, well what all things? Everything that became new in Christ became new in you everything of your past life died and when God created you and he made you a new you, the things that are in you are not just unique to you. The new creation realities that are in you, the person you became, they're not just unique to you, they're, they're of the Lord. They're his new things. They're in you, they're in me, they're in her, they're in him, They're in they're, those new things are in all of us. All things have become new. Now you see, when you get a hold of that, it affects your ability to believe God. because the devil can't put condemnation on you. He can't use his pat, your past. See too many people believe, well, if I just if I was as good a Christian as Sister Holiness, you know, I, I know she, when she if I can just get her on the phone and pray, she can get her prayers answered. But you know, I mess up a lot of times and all of that is letting the old man dominate you when you understand that you were made alive together as one. You you were in Christ. You were part of Christ. When, When God raised him from the dead, he raised you up. Everything that's in him is in you. Galatians 3 or 4, the last verse anyway, of whichever chapter that is. I think it's chapter 4, chapter 3 maybe. Look at it. Verse 29, Galatians 3, 29. If you are, and if you are Christ's, if you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now hold now go go from there go over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 15 Well, let's start in verse 14. Well, let's start in verse 13. No, no. Let's start in verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint Heirs with Christ. Now people say, well, now preacher, you got to read the rest of that verse. You have to read about the sufferings. If indeed we suffer him, that we may also be glorified together. Yes, there, there are sufferings that go with being in Christ. I said there are sufferings associated with that. You're you're not going to be appreciated all the time by people who are outside of Christ. They're not gonna always say the nicest things about you. And besides that, Peter made the statement, he said, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. There's some suffering associated with your holiness and your walk with God. There's some things you have, the Bible talks about crucifying the flesh, and I'm gonna get into that because that's That's essential. Bible talks about crucifying the flesh and crucifixion is painful. <laughs> Amen. There's some suffering involved with that, so we're not, we're not taking away that. That's just not my topic right now. He says, if you are heir, if you're children, then you're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs. My wife and I have a joint checking account and everything that's in that account belongs to her and everything that's in that account belongs to me and everything that belongs to me belongs to her and what belongs to her belongs to me and we can both equally draw on that account. That's called a joint checking account. You and I were made heirs of God, joint heirs. With Christ. Everything that's on deposit for the Lord Jesus Christ is on deposit for me and you. All things have begun. Everything that was made new in Christ was made new in me. Everything that he inherited, I inherited. Everything that belongs to him belongs to me. We, We are children of God. Born of God, just as sure as Jesus was born of God, I was born of God. Same God, same birth, same being made alive, heir to the same things. Everything that, oh my. I, can you see how this will affect your faith? Yes. When you understand that everything that belongs to Him belongs to you. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Behold, all things have become new. Now, we've gotten past the old things. They, all those old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God. Now People take verses out of their, their setting sometimes and try to make them say things they don't say. Some, something bad happens to somebody and somebody will say, well, you know, it says in the Bible that all things are of God. That's not talking about all things in the world. It's not talking about all things outside of God. Wouldn't you think the all things in in the previous sentence would refer to the all things in the next sentence? (laughs) It wouldn't be talking about two different kinds of all things. All things are of God. All things have become new. All things are of God. The same all things. All these things that have become new are of God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, has given us the ministry of reconciliation, now let's skip down to verse verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in union with him. Jesus was made sin on the cross. He never knew any sin. He was not guilty. He never sinned. But he was made sin on the cross. But when God made him alive, quickened him, God restored perfect righteousness to the master, to the savior. That we might become the righteousness of God in union with him. The same righteousness Jesus has, you have. The same righteousness Jesus has, you have. I'm gonna say it two or three more times. The same righteousness that Jesus has, you have. Because it's the righteousness of God. There's not different kinds as far as God's concerned that we might be be made or we might become the righteousness of God through our union with God. Not through what you did, not through what I did. It's not dependent on what you and I did. If if our salvation was dependent dependent upon what we do, we'd be in trouble. That's why God didn't make it dependent upon what we do. He made it dependent upon what Jesus did. We became the very righteousness of God through that, new creation act when we were recreated that when we became a new creature in Christ that was one of the new things that were given to us it's one of the new th- things that were made new we were we were created in the very righteousness of God the same degree that Jesus has Whew. righteousness means right standing now there's a there's an application there's another side to righteousness that has to do with right conduct, but this isn't talking about conduct. This is talking about the the righteousness as a as a as a a, a, a concept, the nature of right of righteousness. In other words, right that's what righteousness means. Right standing with God. You were put in perfect right standing with God. Well, Hallelujah! I'm running out of time here. Let me go back to we'll go further in this, but go back to Ephesians chapter two. I tried to get over here a while ago, couldn't get to it. I got called up earlier in the chapter. Chapter two, verse one, and you. When God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above, and and you, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once All once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the other. Oh, thank God our nature got changed. We were by nature children of wrath, but we aren't anymore. But God who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ for grace you have been saved. Raised us up together, verse six. Made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Remember verse, uh, chapter one, verse 20, what he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places. That's what he's talking about. In verse number, uh, chapter two, verse six. We were raised up together sit, and we made to sit together in those heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you think God's been good to you so far, oh my, does any, can anybody testify God's been good to me? More than you could ever imagine. He said in the ages to come, he is going to show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. when we all get to heaven. For by grace verse 8 you have been saved through faith not that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Not of works. Listen, it's here's, this is this is so important. It's not of works lest any man should boast. There's no boasting. Because none of this happened as a result of anything we did. None of this happened as a result of anything we did. It was all the grace of God. God did this so that he could, according to verse number seven, that he could use us as examples of his grace and mercy throughout eternity. We're going to be the object lessons over and over and deeper and deeper and more fuller uh, and, and, and with more understanding and more revelation. He's just gonna apparently open up uh, uh, d- levels of understanding of how gracious he is. He's gonna use us as examples. Whew. Not of works, lest anyone should boast for, I, I like, I, I've even written this in, the, in, in my Bible between the two verses there. The word, the word for there means because. Because we are his workmanship created in union with Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, he said what well, all this happened was not by our works. Not of works. He doesn't want any boasting. We have no reason to boast. If you think you have reason to boast, just talk to somebody who knows you real good. (laughs) They'll bring you right down to (laughs) to ground. Isn't that right? Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his work, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has good works for you to do. God has good works for you to do. He's already prepared them. Whenever the Spirit of God Tugs on your heart to witness to somebody. God had that prepared. That was set up for you. It was set up. God prepared beforehand all of those things. You, you don't have to go through life trying to figure out what can I do to make God happy. He's already prepared the good things you need to do, just follow the leading of the Spirit. Just right on the inside, you get a witness. Go talk to this person. And lo and behold, they get born again and you come away you think, oh, whoa, glory to God, I got somebody saved today. Yeah, and he set that up. He prepared that for you and led you and all if you got anything to boast about, it's just that you obeyed. But as far as the, anything else, I mean, there's really, God did the work. Amen. Yes. When, when the Spirit of the Lord leads you to help somebody, you're just out in public and you see somebody and your heart just goes out to them. They're just struggling with something, you know, maybe you're at a supermarket and you find a woman, she's got children and, and, and she's just obviously, you know, just having a meltdown and your heart just goes out, you know, and, and you just are led to just go over and say a kind word or maybe help her. Give her money or, or help her with her getting her stuff in the garden. That was prepared for you. God had that prepared. All you did was just follow the Spirit. See, you are his workmanship. It's not of works, lest we should boast, for we are his workmanship. We're his work. Or we're his work. It's not our works, it's his work, and we're his works. We're his works. We're his workmanship. Other translations say we are his handiwork. We are his handiwork. We are his artistry. Where's Jimmy? Jimmy in here? Jimmy Smith? Hey, Jimmy. Where's John? John Schrager. Is he in here? hey, John, <laughs> on the job. They build furniture. I think somebody, somebody, somebody else might too, I don't know. But anyway, they build furniture. Every piece they do, they build, they take pride in. It's their handiwork. You wouldn't, you wouldn't ask John or Jimmy to build you a table. And then when, you, when, you, when he delivers it to you, I mean, you might not be real happy with it. But you wouldn't say, well, what is that? That's the ugliest looking thing I've ever seen in my life. That's pitiful. Dear Lord. Or start laughing about it. Say, oh, are you kidding me? This is a joke, right? Why? Because it's his handiwork. He put put all he had. They put all they had into it. You, You wouldn't mock it. Stop mocking God's handiwork. You so say, what are you talking about? Well, I'm just so dumb. I'm just, so, I'm just, you know, I just say the dumbest things. I just do the dumbest things. I don't know what's wrong with me. I am just a complete idiot sometimes. Come on now. You know, I'm just so unworthy. I can't get any right, I, anything right. I don't know why God blesses me at all. I'm just so unfaithful. I, stop belittling God's handiwork. Stop mocking and laughing at God's handiwork. You might not be measuring up in your eyes. That just simply tells you to get back into the Word and find out more about his handiwork. Find out more about what he did in you. Instead of talking about all the things that you see wrong and the things you can't do and stuff that doesn't belong to you and what you always get, how you always mess up, start looking at his handiwork according to the word of God and start agreeing with it. Yeah. If you'll start agreeing with his handiwork and thanking God for his hand, you say, well, I, I tried to thank God for all those things, preacher, that you said, but it sure didn't sound like me. You're looking at the wrong things. Look at who God made you to be. Start, we've already started with your righteousness. You have perfect right standing with God. And because you have right standing with God, your prayers prevail. Isn't that right? It says over in James that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I believe in agreement in prayer. I believe in getting somebody to pray with you. That, the Bible teaches that. I don't get somebody else to pray with me because I don't feel like my prayers will be answered or that I don't measure up. That's why some people are always looking to somebody else to help them pray because they don't feel like they measure up. You're His handiwork. You're His handiwork. You're His his artistry. God crafted you in union with Christ. You are not a failure. Well, you don't know me very well, Pastor. I fail a lot. You need to find out what this says about you. Stop talking about how you miss it and start talking about what God's done in His handiwork. Start talking about His handiwork. Start looking at His handiwork. Start reflecting on the handiwork. Start thinking about yourself as God's handiwork. Start saying everything about yourself that He says about you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. You are the head, you're not the tail, you're above, you're not beneath. You're not, you're not poor, you're not sick, you've been healed, you've been made alive, you've been prospered in all things. You don't, you're not under the devil's uh, uh, thumbprint, you're not under his foot, he's under your feet. You have authority over him. Start talking about what belongs to you. All of these things have become new and, and new things are sparkly, I just had a door panel replaced on the side of my uh, Explorer, my, my Explorer, my Sequoia last week because it got crumpled in. So they did some work on the door and they painted it brand new. And I told the man when I went in to pick it up, you know, the, I, was, I was at the, at the uh, collision center where they did the work and I'm waiting on the guy that was working. And so when he came out of his, his cubicle, I said, something wrong with my, my, my vehicle, uh, the paint doesn't match. His eyes got real big and I said, it's too new. (laughs) It doesn't really look like my, and there's a piece of chrome on the side of the two doors and they replaced that chrome. And it just, something about it, you know, just looked different. A couple of days later, I figured out what it was. The chrome on the other side of the car, on on the driver's side, the chrome on those two doors, has been has been oxidized or something, and it looks like a gray vinyl strip. And I looked at it and I thought, said, "Said him, wait a minute. They put chrome on that door, and I don't have chrome. It's not the original's not even chrome. There, I never realized the original wasn't chrome. It was a gray vinyl stripe. I'm thinking I got to go back down there and tell them take this chrome off. It doesn't match the other side because the other side's not chrome. It's this gray vinyl." And then I got to looking at it and it curves like this and I got looking at the bottom edge of it, it is chrome. And it used to look like the new door. Amen. Listen, everything in God is brand new. You got the new chrome. And it's made new Day after day after day after, you're not an oxidizing Christian. <laughs> don't, don't let this world tarnish you, cause your thinking to go wrong. See yourself the way God sees you as that sparkly, brand new, unaffected by this world, creation. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Let's stand up. Praise God. (coughs) Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, Father, we honor you today. We thank you, Lord. All things have become new. Glory to God. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, we're grateful that not only have old things passed away, but all things have become new. And all things are of you, Father. They're all in union with Christ. We're, we're your heir and we're a joint heir with Jesus. It just seems, it does seem to the untrained mind, mind, it, it seems untrue and impossible. It seems unreal. It seems unthinkable. It seems excessive. But that's because our minds have not been trained by Your Word. It's because our minds have been affected by tradition, and we let our we allow our circumstances and things of this world to cloud our judgment. When we really need to get our minds renewed with what You say about us, and Father, that's what I'm I'm endeavoring to do today is to get this congregation get people in this congregation to awaken them to stop looking at themselves through the lens of their experiences and what happens to them every day and what people have said start looking at themselves through the word if we can come to that place father as a as the people of God, where we begin to believe what you've said about us, then nothing will be impossible. Nothing, nothing will be impossible in the individual lives of people that sit in this congregation today. People who have not been strong in faith and people who've not had their prayers answered and who who haven't seemed to be able to overcome. Nothing will be impossible to them if they'll just be transformed by the renewing of their mind. I pray for that, Father. I pray for it, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Can Can I just say this to you, church? If you've never been that super dynamite Christian that you read other, about other people being, you just never been you. Listen, make up your mind, that's me. I'm coming out of the shadows. I'm coming out of my shell, whatever you want to call it. I'm coming out of the darkness. I'm coming out of the past. I'm coming out of what people have said. I'm coming out of my own sense of, of unworthiness and fail. I'm coming out of all that. I'm coming out, I'm coming out into the broad light Daylight of God's word and what He's done for me. You can be the one that people go to in, in for, when they need prayer, because they know you get your prayers answered. You can be the one who always has the testimony of what God's done in in their lives. You can be the one who overcomes. You can be the one that when sickness tries to attach itself to your body, you throw it off and you say, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'm not gonna be sick. I'm not gonna be broke. I'm not gonna be defeated. I'm not gonna live in fear. I'm not gonna be discouraged. I'm not gonna be depressed. I'm not gonna live in sin. I'm not gonna let habits dominate me. I'm not gonna be a failure. It's never gonna happen by the efforts of your good works is going to happen by the renewing of your mind to his workmanship. What The work he did, the work he did in you is the source of all of that victory. Oh, glory to God. It's easy to believe God when you know what belongs to you. It's easy to believe God. I said it's easy to believe God when you know what God has done for you when you know that you belong to him, when you know that he has made you an overcomer, it's easy to believe that God will do anything in the world. I believe God will do anything in the world for me. I believe he'll do anything for me. If, if there's a need, I believe God will grant right it. If there's a problem, I believe God will fix it. I believe he'll do it for me. Why? Because I know what he's done for me. Now, I'm not talking about the past. I know what he's done for me in redemption. Paul said it like this. He who did not withhold his own son, but freely offered him up, freely on the cross, how would he not also freely give you everything else? I I know that because Jesus went to the cross for me, he'll surely heal me. I mean, if God let his son die on the cross for me, surely he'll give me victory in this little problem or situation. Amen. Oh, glory.